If you would stand with me in Acts chapter number 8, Acts chapter number 8, we'll look at verse number 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come up to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and setting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, and the, spirit of, and the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. I'm going to stop there. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this evening for just allowing us to be here. And Lord God, we thank you for these folks. And I know they desire to hear from you. So I pray I'll get out of your way. Lord, have your will and your way in this service. May you use me as a servant, as a vessel for your honor and glory. We thank you for this church and this pastor's dear wife and family. Ask your richest blessings on them. Father, I don't know the heart of every soul. I don't know what's going on in anyone's life here. But I ask you from heaven to meet some needs this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sit down if you would. Acts chapter number 8, we come up to a man by the name of Philip. And it tells a story here in these several verses about Philip and what happened in this one particular day of his life. And I enjoy reading about this man, but Philip's ministry didn't begin here with this Ethiopian eunuch. As we look back in Scripture, we find other Philips in the Bible. Uh, Take with me, if you would, hold your place and go to John chapter number 1. And another Philip, the Apostle Philip. John chapter number 1. And verse number 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth unto Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael come up to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I saw thee, uh, I saw thee under the fig tree, believeth thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Uh, I love to compare these two Philips in just one aspect. And the one thing I like to see here is that Philip meets the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and he's a changed man. I mean, right away he goes out and tells others about 
this great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He finds Nathaniel and says, hey, we found him. The guy Moses was talking about, we found him. He's right over here. Come and see him and meet. And when he looked at him, thou son of God, he believed. And immediately he let the spirit of God do his work through him. And this evening, I want to just bring a message a little bit about trying to let the spirit of God work through you. When we let the spirit of God work through us, you know, two things will happen. One, men will receive joy. And two, glory will be given to God. And I don't know about you, but there's one thing I want to do while I'm on this earth is to help people. I want to bring them joy. But even more important than that, I want to bring glory to my God. And this is one of the things that we can do by allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do through us what he desires to do. Now, all of us are here tonight. We're in a comfortable church building. Praise God for that. We could be outside meeting, amen? could be about 40 degrees and we'd be shivering a little bit. But we're not. We're in a beautiful building. God has blessed us tremendously. But our, our job, our, our working of the Holy Spirit inside of us really is going to begin when we leave this church. I mean, He desires to do work here. But if that's all it is, is that we come to church and we get fed and, and we get the Spirit to do something in our heart and it doesn't go any further, we're failing our God. And we're not bringing joy to man. And I believe you're just like I am. And you desire to bring joy to man and glory to God. Philip, I think here in Acts chapter 8, gives a great example of that. I believe he's like Philip the Apostle in the sense that he immediately got busy for God. Some people think when you get saved that you have to go to Bible college before you can do anything for God. You don't need to go to any Bible college. I'm telling you what, what God has done for you, you can tell someone about that. Amen. I may not have all the answers. I don't care if you have all the answers. You have a book that has all the answers. Right. You have a pastor that will gladly help you out. You have other believers here that will help you out. Just go out and try to bring some joy to men. Now, as he went out and told others, uh, the apostles, you know, they're pretty busy. <laughs> When you look through the book of Acts, uh, things really happened quickly there. I don't know the exact time frame, but it wasn't all that long. In Acts chapter 1, it says there were 120 of them together. The apostles were ministering to them. And then Peter stood up and preached, and 3,000 souls got saved. Another time, shortly after that, 5,000 more men got saved. I know another time, 4,000 others, and it doesn't even say how many women and children. You can see by the time we get to Acts chapter number 8 that this church at Jerusalem was quite some large church. You just add up the numbers and 18,000 would be really easy to come up with. Probably much, much greater than that. So these guys were very busy and it comes to Acts chapter number uh, 6 when they said, look, we don't want to stop from praying and we don't want to stop from preaching. So why don't you go out and find Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And one of those men that they found was Philip, who we read about here in chapter number 8. Now, in Acts chapter number 7, we find Stephen preaching. And I was telling Brother Alter, you know, Margaret, what a way to die. And, uh, boy, you're in there and... and you know, smoke usually gets to you before the fire does. And, and we all hope that was the case. 
And it probably was the case. But I told Brother Alter, even if it wasn't, just like Stephen, when he got stoned to death, he looked up into his Lord and the grace of God was upon him. And he went right on up and he did great, even through being stoned to death. I don't know what Margaret had to go through, but I know the grace of God was there for her and it got her through whatever she needed to go through. Anyways, after that took place, then we come to chapter number eight and look at verse number four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now we have someone named by name. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So right away, when it was a pretty dangerous time to proclaim the name of Christ, Philip stands up and preaches the gospel. I mean, he just watched his buddy Stephen be put down. But he didn't care. His love for God was so evident in his life. And he wanted to see men find the same joy in Christ that he had found. So he was willing to put his life on the line and go out there and tell others about Christ. As Stephen was preaching, you, you know the story. Boy, he, he spoke words and said so boldly that you're the reason that Jesus died. You're the reason the prophets have been killed. And it cut those people to heart because they were really, really upset about what took place. They didn't want to hear Stephen preach the truth. But Stephen did. And now Philip, it's his turn. And here God is going to take and do a few things to take Philip and to impact one man's life. One man's life in these few verses of Scripture. I noticed a few things in these Scriptures that has helped me and I hope they'll help you this evening. First of all, the first thing I want you to notice is Philip heard the angel of the Lord speak. Look at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. You know, one of the most important things about being a child of God is to be able to hear the voice of God. He still speaks in that small voice. He still desires for us to do things. You walk into a store and you'll think in your mind, should I hand them a gospel track? Where did you get that thought? That small voice. God is speaking to you, prompting you. Hey, give them the gospel. Invite them to church. Share your testimony with them. And when we allow God to, to uh, uh, use us, what a blessing it is. But We'll never allow God to use us unless we're able to hear his voice. Now, it's not going to be an audible voice from heaven. But you're going to know when God wants you to do something. And if you have any questions, you know what? God and his little voice always line up with the Bible. There'll never be a question. If it's anti-Bible, hey, it's not from God. You, you, you got the wrong voice. Don't do that. But... If it lines up with the word of God and your heart is is tuned into that, do what God wants you to do. The problem I think we have today is is Christians are so busy doing their little thing in their life that they forget to hear the voice of the Lord. And it's not that you're out doing anything wicked. It's just that you're very busy. And what happens is we get so involved in our own life we forget what the voice of the Lord sounds like. I believe the Holy Spirit of God is calling Christians in the service all the time. 
But the problem is Christians are so busy, they're not really listening. They're just doing what they need to do in this life to get by. You know, we need to stop a little bit and we need to listen for that voice. Lord, what would you have me to do? We're quick to say, what would you have the pastor to do or what would you have the missionary to do? But the real question, Christian, is what does the Lord want you to do? You know, that same Holy Spirit that convicted you of your sin when you got saved. If you're here today and you're saved, it's because the Holy Spirit of God convicted you. If you continue in your sin, you're going to split a place called hell wide open and you're going to be there forever and ever. That Holy Spirit is one of the greatest things in this world. The Bible says he's the restrainer. And I'll tell you what, you want to see this world get bad? Wait till God removes the restrainer. It is going to be a bad place here. I don't want to be anywhere near this place when the restrainer is taken away. But he's good for he's good for us. You say, I don't like it when he convicts me of my sin. Oh, he, he loves you. He's concerned for you. He wants to protect you. When I was a little boy about this boy's size right here. What's your name, son? Caleb. How old are you, Caleb? Seven, Uh, maybe seven, eight, something like that. Uh, Mom told me to go in and get a shower. Well, I did just what mom mom told me to do. I went in and got a shower. So I went in and took a shower and then I dried off with my towel, went in my bedroom, went to flip the light on. No light would come on. And what we had was a light that operated a switch that operated a receptacle over here. And someone had unplugged that light. So I'm over there in the dark trying to plug in this light. I'm half wet and I cannot find how to put that plug in. So at seven years old, I get the bright idea. I'm going to hold both these prongs until I can just feel those holes and I'll be able to slide it right in. Well, I did that. And you know what happened? You know, I don't have an afro today as a result, but I could have. I want to tell you. That's a good thing. I said, Dad, I said, I, I wish I couldn't feel pain. He said, no, Dave, that's, that's the worst thing in the world. You could be on fire and never know it. You could have all kinds of problems. Pain is a good thing. And I finally understood that. And you know what? Same thing here. The Holy Spirit, it's good when he convicts us of sin. It's good when your preacher comes up here and says, that's of the devil. You shouldn't do those things. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. That same Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin is here with Philip this day. And he says, go near, go near. And you know what Philip did? He listened for the voice of the Lord. I believe old Philip was there. He had his cell phone right on his side. Man, he was just waiting for a call from heaven. Man, when that phone rang, he picked it up. Yes, Lord, what would you have me to do? It was no argument. He didn't debate with God. What is it? And he went and did it. He didn't argue with the Holy Spirit of God to go near. He went near. We ought to respond in the same manner. We shouldn't debate and argue with God about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. He's God. We're not. His thoughts are better than ours. They always will be. Listen, preacher, God has never led me wrong one time. I wish I could say I never let him down. I have guilty, guilty, guilty. But he's never let me down. And everything he's asked me to do has been for my good or for someone else's good. All things work together for good to them that love God and them that are called according to his purpose. But boy, Philip picked up that phone. And you know what? He didn't pick it up just once. 
sometimes we get the idea that we do something for God. We, we did our deed for life. We don't have to do it ever again. You know what? He picked up that phone every time it rang. Yes, my Lord, what would you have me to do? Philip was eager to be used of God. And we ought to be eager. You know, only eternity will tell of the rewards of this great saint, Philip, and what he did for the Lord while he was on this earth. But it's not enough just to answer the call. Philip obeyed the command of the Lord as well. Look at verse 27. And he arose and went. You know, sometimes there's a break between those two verses in our life. All right, we'll hear the call, but we won't go forth and do. There is no break in the scriptures. It just run right after another. There is no option here. My children are all grown up and, and they love God. They're not perfect by any means. But both those young people were virgins, my daughter and my son, when they got married. And they both married virgins when they got married. Uh, just a wonderful, that's hard to conceive these days. How, why? People would come to me, Brother Dave, what did you do to raise your children? I said, I took this Bible, I believed what it said, and I did what it said to the best of my ability. And God did the rest. It really does work. It really does. So I just, hey, God said it, I'm just going to do it. I, I guess I'm not smart enough to debate with God. I'm not smart enough to argue with God. So I'm just going to do what he says. You know, it works out. I challenge you today, just do what God says. Well, he obeyed the command. <clears throat> he obeyed the command and he went, uh, he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge over all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. Read Isaiah the prophet and the spirit saith unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot and philip ran thither to him and heard him read the pro uh, prophet isaiah and said understandeth what thou readeth for when god uh, desires you to do something we ought to obey i remember it back in samuel first samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 samuel said better to obey i'm sorry to obey is better than sacrifice to obey is better than sacrifice so if we'll just obey god you're going to end up having good things as a result. It's one thing to answer a call. It's another thing to obey the command. Here is Philip, just an ordinary man, nothing special about him. But all of a sudden, here comes a man of great authority. Now, I don't know about you, but many times when people of great authority come by, it changes who we are. I remember being up in uh, uh main area and saw... Uh, Mrs. George Bush, the senior. I can't think of her name right now. Yeah, Barbara. And uh, she come out with a little Mercedes Benz. She drove out of the complex. They told us, yeah, that's, that's where the, the, the Bush compound is. And she drove out of there and drove down the road. Man, we're just like, hey, how are you? And she went, shh. You know, she didn't want to make attention to herself. And you know what? I'm thinking, why, why am I making a deal about it? It's just another human being. But when someone of great authority comes into our life, we, we seem to change. Philip didn't change a bit. Man, I imagine that this, this uh, uh, Ethiopian eunuch was in the finest chariot that uh, Candace had in her whole place, you know. And it probably had gold trim and uh, guys desire a 22-inch rim on their, their cars, you know. This, this guy probably had 48-inch rims. I mean, it was a decked out, decked out, uh, a fancy uh, vehicle that he was riding in. 
And we get so nervous because of that. But Philip, boy, he didn't think twice about it. He just went and he said, okay, Lord, I'll do what you asked me to do. Sometimes we'll surrender and obey to God, but we'll say in our mind, you know, Lord, I'll do this, but I don't really know about that. I want you to know that wasn't in Philip's mind at all. In fact, it says he ran thither to him. He ran thither to him. He couldn't wait to go and tell him and, and do what the Holy Spirit asked him to do. You know, the next time the Lord asks you to do something for him and your flesh says no or your flesh says stop or your flesh says, wait a minute, reason all this out first. Why don't you just run thither to the uh, opportunity and do what God asks you to do? Sometimes we overthink things and we talk ourselves out of doing what God would have us to do. Boy, we think if we take the gospel to someone that it might hurt our relationship. Maybe someone you work with, maybe one of your relatives, maybe your neighbor right next door to where you live. You say, boy, we got a good relationship right now. If I bring up the gospel, it's just going to kill the relationship. Let me ask you a question. What happens to someone who dies without Jesus Christ? Where do they go? How long is that for? So let me ask you. What kind of a relationship are you going to have with someone who's burning in hell forever and ever and ever? Listen, I wouldn't worry so much about your relationship this side of glory. I would do all I could to win your family, your friends, your neighbors, and your workmates to the Lord. I would do all I could possibly do. My mother and father, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was a senior in high school when a young man in Finley High School came up to me and said, Hey, I'm Jeff Riggs, and I'd like you to come to church with me on Sunday. Now, we had known each other for a while. I'm just trying to shorten the story. No, Jeff, I work at a grocery store. I make double time on Sunday. I'm not going to give that up to go to church. In fact, I thought church was for sissies anyways. But he kept persisting to ask me to come to church. And I started watching his life. And there was something different about Jeff, and I really couldn't explain what it was. But I don't know why, except for the Holy Spirit of God. One day I said, Jeff, think I'd come to church with you this Sunday? He was so surprised. He never thought he'd get Dave Fetter into church. He really didn't. But I went to church that day, Trinity Baptist Church, Finley, Ohio. And I sat towards the back of the auditorium. And when I heard the gospel preached, Pastor Milioni was an old saint. I think he could reach his finger about 40 pews down there and pop me on top of the head. But he preached the truth. And it was something about the truth that drew me back the next day. Jeff Riggs never had to ask me to come back to church again because Sunday morning I was going to be in church if there was all a possibility. I love that truth. He was starting to talk about sin and it was three months before I got saved. But I want to tell you, it all goes back to Jeff Riggs and he being a friend to me when I needed a friend and I didn't even know it. Well, my mother and father weren't saved. Once I understood the concept that if you die without Christ, you go to hell for eternity. Man, I couldn't go to sleep at night thinking that my mom and dad preacher would die and go to hell. I cried many nights. God, you can't let them die and go to hell. I'm a new Christian. What can I do? Well, you can go tell what happened to you. I took a gospel track and I went over to my mom and dad. They were both drinking. I knew they couldn't understand basically with a clear mind the gospel at that moment. But I said, Mom and Dad, I'm just crying. I said, my heart's broken for you too. 
Because if you die without Christ, you'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. And I don't want to see that. I can't even sleep at night. And I did my best to give the gospel. I probably did the worst job absolutely a guy could do. I walked out of there really not thinking anything would happen. I put it into God's hands. About two days later, my mom called me on the phone. She says, Dave, you said, you know that little paper you gave me? And I says, yeah, mom. She says, you know the prayer on the back? We prayed and we asked God to save us. And I said, really? And I'll tell you what, my mom's life just changed. They started coming to church with us, but they were, uh, were they coming to church before that? I don't think so. But my mom, she was just so embarrassed because she was smoking. She knew the drinking was wrong right away and she got that out of her life. God did. God did. She'll tell you that. But she couldn't let that smoking thing go. And uh, she just started coming to church and she said, what a hypocrite I am. How can I live a life like this? How can I go to that church and smoke those cigarettes? And it broke her heart. And you know what she did? She gave God those cigarettes. And she said, no more will I do this. Cold turkey. If you uh, have smoked in your past, some people use medicines, whatever. Cold turkey, man. She put them down. She never took it again the rest of her life. Why? Her love for God was more important to her than those cigarettes were. It embarrassed her to live a life like that. She says, no more, God. I give them to you. I want to serve you. And my dear mom now still loves the Lord. My dad's passed away, but uh, his life changed as well. Uh, all because somebody went to them and said, look, my heart's broken because you're going to die and go to hell. Folks, it works. If we go weeping, we shall come back rejoicing, right? Bearing precious. Yeah, we're going to come back rejoicing. But we need to go. And Philip went and it didn't bother him who he was. He was concerned and he went up and he sat in that chariot and Philip asked the right questions. You know, so many times we may get an opportunity to talk to someone about the Lord. But will we ask the right question? He asked the question, does thou understandeth, understandeth thou what thou readeth? Do you understand what you're reading in that Bible? Do you understand that? You know, when we get an opportunity to witness to someone, many times we'll start talking about anything but the Lord. Man, how's the weather out there? Cold day today, isn't it? Yeah. You like fishing? Yeah. What about the Browns? How we talk about anything. We have no problem talking about anything except for the Lord. You know, Philip didn't ask him how the weather was. Didn't ask him how the Browns were doing. Went right to, do you understand what you're reading? Hmm. I think it's important that when we get our opportunity, we ask the right question. This was a man of great authority from the queen of Ethiopia. And he was reading in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 53 and verses 7 to 8, which says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the shear and as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Wow. As he is reading this, he's asking if he needs help understanding. And Philip, just by the Holy Spirit of God and using that old prophet to preach Christ. What a beautiful opportunity. And boy, did it work out that day for that man. When we get the opportunity to talk about the Lord, make sure we ask the right question. Make sure you ask the right question. Don't worry about how the weather is. Don't worry about the Browns. They're a soul. 
Without Christ, they will split hell wide open for all eternity. We're there for a reason. Let's make sure we ask the right questions. Listen, what happens when a, when a, a, a baseball player gets into the batter's box? What does he desire to do? Can you imagine a baseball player getting up there? I can't wait till I strike out. Maybe the greatest day in the world if I struck out today. Is that what he hopes for? Hearing strike one, strike two, you're out of here. Is that what he hopes to hear? What is he in that batter's box for? For one thing, hit the ball. Friends, when we get an opportunity to serve the Lord, hit the ball. Hit the ball. Remember why you're there and what is important. Philip knew that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He knew that. So what did he do? He took the scriptures and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 35. Uh, we read verse 31 down to 35. And he said, how can I accept some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. In the place of the scriptures which he read, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before the shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered, Philip. And he said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened the mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Philip preaches unto him Jesus. Now listen to this phrase. It it just came to me and probably someone else has said it and that's why it was in my mind. But the Father, our Heavenly Father, wants to use you to plant the Word of God, which is the which the Spirit of God will activate what is truth about the Son of God in our hearts. I mean, when, when someone's saved, don't you see the entire Trinity gets in on this thing? And God takes that Word to reach mankind, but how does that Word get to mankind? you and me we take that word and we take it to mankind and the father and the son and the holy spirit get in on that and some lives get changed wow that's god at work but philip preaches unto him jesus and uh it just made it so easy for him to preach jesus from the book of uh isaiah that he was talking isaiah 53 here jesus would be afflicted and yet Jesus would not open his mouth. You know, the Lord could have said anything and stopped the process to Calvary. He could have at any time. He could have called just one angel would have been plenty. <laughs> I mean, if he could take on 185,000 Assyrian troops, one angel would have been sufficient. But what was it? About 6,000 he could have called. <laughs> it would have been right there. He didn't say a word. Now, I know he made a few comments, but he didn't stop his way to go to Calvary. Kept his mouth silent. Could have defended himself. Never did it one time. He went because he knew the importance. He's drugged unfair trial before Caiaphas and then the Sanhedrin to Pilate, the Herod, and back to Pilate again. Then his life was cut off. He said those words, it is finished. And on that cross, Jesus paid in full the sin debt of all who would believe on him. If you're a born-again believer here today and you ran up a sin debt that you know you could have never taken care of, the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can wash away that sin, that debt that you had piled up. Philip was there that day to tell this eunuch, hey, your sin debt's too high. 
you're not going to be able to pay for this one. It doesn't matter that you're a man of great authority. That's not going to help you. It doesn't matter that you're a good person. It's not going to help you. Your debt's too high. You're going to need help. And Jesus is the one that's going to be able to help you. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. It's all about Jesus. Philip explained that to this eunuch. Philip tells the way of salvation. Look at verse 36. And as they went their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Wow. Here Philip points him to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, If thou believest with all thy heart. You know what that is? That's faith in Christ. That's trusting Christ only for salvation. And that's what Jesus was talking about in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's all about Jesus. Without him, this eunuch was in big trouble. But this man of great authority fully understood the debt he had piled up, and there was no way that he could pay for it. He understood this because he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He knew that only Jesus could help him. And I believe he put his faith and trust in the Lord that day. And you know what? He got it right. He got it right. I wonder you. I wonder about you tonight. Do you have it right? What are you really trusting in when it comes that your life will be over? What are you trusting in? We go out knocking on doors every Saturday morning and more people say than others, yeah, I remember I was baptized. I didn't ask if you were baptized. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not as bad as... I didn't ask if you were a good person. What are you trusting in to get to heaven? What is it? This eunuch, he realized he couldn't trust in himself. He knew he had debt way higher than him. He was a man of great authority. He didn't trust in that. He didn't trust in a church. He didn't have a baptism. He didn't trust in anything. But he realized that only Christ was the one to trust in. Are you only trusting in Christ for your salvation tonight? If you're trusting in anything else, you're going to fall short. I told, told your pastor I was able to see a Muslim over in uh, Micronesia. And, and I told him, it's only Christ. There's nothing else that's going to help you when this life is over but Jesus Christ. You need to put your faith and trust in Him, not what you've been taught all your life. Only in Christ. He's the one. He died for our sins. Amen? Most people would admit that He died for our sins. So why are you trusting in anything other than Jesus if He's the one who died for your sin and paid for your sin? Jesus is the one. The religious crowd, boy, they wanted to find faults with our Lord and Savior, did they not? Wow, they, they got on him. He did a great work. It was on the Sabbath. Boy, we got him now. We're going to bring him down. Look at verse number 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. Here, Philip explains that you must be saved before you can be baptized. You know what? This eunuch gladly got saved. And it was a natural process for the next thing to come to be baptized. He didn't argue with it. He just knew this was the proper order. So he gladly got saved. He immediately follows the Lord in scriptural baptism. Nobody had to talk him into it. It was a natural process. Salvation is first and then baptism. The eunuch was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It changed his life. Notice that the spirit of of, uh, God called away Philip to do more service for him. And what happened to the eunuch? He went on his way rejoicing. Man, he just met Christ. All the burdens of his sin have been washed away. He's rising up above the earth about a foot. He now met Jesus and he's gone on for him. He went on his way rejoicing. Reminds me of the blind man back in John chapter 9 who was healed on the Sabbath day. And you remember the story. They went to him and what happened here? Well, I don't know. This guy, Jesus, came along and he, he did this. Ah, that's not enough. Where's your parents? And he goes and talks with his parents. Hey, what happened to your son? Was it true he was born blind? Yeah. But if you're going to want to know what happened to him, you're going to, he's of age, go ask him. The reason they didn't answer is because they were scared for their life. They were threatened that if they said that he was Christ, they'd be thrown out of the synagogue. They didn't want to get thrown out of the synagogue. So they go back to the young man again. Tell us what happened. Well, I told you already. Here's what he said in John 9, 25. And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, talking about Jesus, I know not. One thing I know that wherein I was blind, now I see. I don't know about all the things you're saying about. I I can't answer that. But one thing I know, I met Jesus, I was blind. And after I met Jesus, now I see. You know, he, he understood what this eunuch was going through. Friend, I can't help but to think when you meet Christ, you go away a different person. Something must happen in your life. He went away rejoicing. And we ought to go away rejoicing. What a great principle that Philip teaches us here in this scripture. So many times when we talk to someone about the Lord, and if the Lord allows us to lead them to Christ, we get so excited. Man, it ends right there. We don't go in any further. I mean, we went there. We wanted to see him get saved. And God let us see him get saved. And we just go home. We forgot about everything else. Christian, let me tell you, that's just step number one. They got a brand new life in God now. They need to they need to understand about baptism. They need to understand about the word of God. And that means discipleship in their life. We need to be fulfilling these needs in these people's lives. It doesn't stop when we lead someone to Christ. It all begins there. Maybe you don't feel qualified, but I'm sure you could find someone in this church who would be more than happy to take this Bible and study with them one-on-one. Get them in. You know, that's what we do effectively out in Micronesia. When we lead someone to Christ, that's just the beginning. I mean, they're like a baby. They don't know what to do. You can't leave a baby on its own. It'll fail every time. You got to feed that baby. And you teach that baby how to eat itself. And then pretty soon that baby grows up and he can intake the word of God himself. But not at the beginning. 
We must not fail. Philip teaches us not to fail here, but to go on. The Great Commission isn't about just salvation. It's about baptism. It's about discipleship. It contains all three. Philip doesn't end his life, though. Look at verse number 40. And Philip was found at uh, Azost, however you say that. Passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Yeah, these few verses of Scripture only show one day in the life of Philip. Just one day. But when that day was over, what did he do? He kept making himself available for the use of the Lord. Every city he went to, he preached Christ. He preached Christ. I believe personally he did that and whatever the Lord asked him to do until the end of his life. I believe he did that. He wasn't perfect. He had his shortcomings, but he had a heart for God. And after God called him away, what do we find him doing? Preaching in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Service for the Lord isn't a one-time thing. God wants to use his children for the rest of their lives. When you're used of God, do you understand that you as a creation is finally fulfilling what the Creator desired? You're doing what the Creator desired. It works. I mean, you want to find, uh, find out what life is all about. You want to find fulfillment. Then be used of the Lord and you will understand fulfillment. Let me ask you tonight. Are you tuned into the voice of the Lord? When's the last time God spoke to your heart? When's the last time you remember God telling you to do something? If it's been a long time, why is that? Nothing to be afraid about with God. He won't ask you to do anything that isn't absolute best for your life. Second, are you willing to obey His commands? If he said, go to Micronesia and preach the gospel, would you go? We went. We're still all right. I don't have things sticking out of my head or anything. Don't I look pretty normal? I wear nice clothes and we eat food. I eat pretty good. God will take care of you. But you're going to have to listen for his voice. Whatever God asks you to do, will you do it? Well, you just commit tonight and say, God, I may be a little bit scared. I may not have all the answers, but if you want me to do something, I'm going to do that. Will you ask the right question? It's so important. Will you tell him about Jesus? Will you continue to make yourself available to him? I don't know how you came in tonight, but you can go out walking with the Lord. No one in your heart, whatever he asks you to do, you'll do. This eunuch, he was confused about salvation when he came. But after talking with Philip and the scriptures being revealed, the Holy Spirit doing his work, he walked out of there knowing Christ. I don't know what your need is tonight, but God does and he can meet that. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you this evening for allowing us to be here together.